0: You're listening to The Fluent Fools Podcast by Fluent Korean. everyone, it's Minju here, welcoming you back to another episode of Fluent Fools, a show that looks at the many sides of being Korean in the 21st century. Whether you're in the peninsula or part of the global diaspora, or maybe you're neither and you're really into Korean language and culture, everyone is welcome here. In this podcast, we explore the Korean language, society, culture, history, and current events happening in the land of the morning calm and around the world as we continue on our quest to go from fluent fools to fluent Korean. One who learns language without learning culture ends up becoming a fluent fool. My life prior to the pandemic involved quite a lot of flights. In fact, In the six months before we had to go into lockdown, my partner and I were basically traveling full-time. And we even had more plans for travel, but we've put them on hold for now. I think while there's still no vaccine and a lot of active cases around us, it's important that we are staying put and staying home to minimize the risks involved. Not just for ourselves, but also for the people who we may come into contact with. They do say, though, that flying can be relatively safe because of the social distancing and the added safety protocols and the fact that the air inside of an airplane is constantly being circulated. But at the end of the day, you're still putting yourself in a situation where you're in a closed space, in close proximity to other people who, to your knowledge, may or may not have the virus or can transmit the virus. And of course, the safe route is to assume everyone does, and then act accordingly in terms of safety. I don't think anyone can have any peace of mind while traveling right now. Then there are the new procedures when it comes to getting special permits to fly out in some cases, getting on the plane, getting off the plane, more protocols... And then because airlines are filling less seats, tickets may be more expensive, and then you have to factor in the time and money you have to spend doing mandatory quarantine. It can be a lot. And it's definitely a risk. But there are people who are flying out of necessity and for long-term stays. And for this episode, I'm speaking to somebody who recently moved to Korea from Paraguay to earn his master's degree as part of the Global Korea Scholarship Programme. So this is Juanjo Bayardi's story of traveling to Korea in the middle of a global pandemic.
1: My name is Juan Bayardi, Hwanho, my nickname. I am from South America, Paraguay, and I recently moved to South Korea about 12 days ago.
0: What was your reason for travel?
1: I came here through a scholarship, a global Korean scholarship, which implies that I have to take one whole year of Korean language and culture, and I have to pass a topic three test And then I will start my master's degree the second year, uh, which is going to be on global affairs and commerce in the Chong'an University.
0: Was there a particular reason you wanted to pursue your master's degree in Korea?
1: Well, I've I done Taekwondo since I was very little. So that was like my first, first taste of Korea I had. But then in 2015, I had a work course taken here in Seoul, two-week course. So I came here to Seoul, and I fell in love with it, with the people, the discipline. And I learned a lot about its history, the Korean history. And I also learned, which I had no idea about, that in the 1956s, you had a huge Korean War, right? And Korea was devastated and left so poor, and it was one of the poorest countries in the world. And in Paraguay, we actually have a huge community of Koreans, which I had no clue why Koreans ended up in that side of the country, and that side of the world. But it was astonishing to learn that in only one generation, you turned all the poorness into this. I mean, to like a you're like a global leader of economics now. So that's why I wanted to come here and learn everything you've done to become what you are today.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. We have a huge Korean community here as well. And I remember hearing stories from some of the elders who lived here for decades about how When they first moved to Manila, the Philippines was a comparatively richer and stronger country with their paved roads and modern buildings, and they would look upon Korea as this very war-torn and poverty-stricken nation. And I guess that imagery was very vivid because the Philippines had sent some troops to help us out during the Korean War, so they were able to see all of that firsthand. And there are stories of Filipino soldiers coming back home with Korean rides. And now Korea is doing really well in the economy and in general, especially when compared to where we were in the 1950s and its aftermath. And I think a couple of years ago, we celebrated 70 years of relations between the two countries. Anyways, what do you want to do with your master's in global affairs? What's the dream?
1: In my country, I, I worked for the government. I did uh, auditing. I was an auditor and I worked a lot in the anti-corruption and transparency area. But what do I want to do after this degree? I mean, the good thing about this scholarship is that it doesn't make me have to go back to Paraguay. Like if I want, I could find a job here. I get a job here in Korea after the, the degree. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to go back. I'm going to stay. I have three years to think about it still.
0: What was the application process for the scholarship?
1: Applying to the scholarship is not cheap because you have to do a lot of uh, notation of documents. You have to translate all your documents to English or Korean. And there are a lot of documents. I mean, official documents. They, they want your uh, birth certificate, your parents' birth certificate, uh, schools, uh, degrees, diplomas, medical checkups, a lot of stuff, a lot of documents. But you also have to write a, a personal statement of who you are as one essay. And then you have to write another essay of why Korea and your future plans and what's going to happen with you after you get your degree. Yeah, getting the scholarship is not easy either because you, you first you there's like three different uh, filters. The first filter, you, you put all your papers in, right? And then the first filter is in your home country, like the Korean embassy interviews everybody selected. Every country has a different quota of, of people they can send to Korea. In the case of Paraguay, it was three. So they interview like 12 or 13 people. If you pass the the interview and you're one of the three selected, then you go to the second filter. The second filter is they send all your documents to the Ministry of Education here in Korea. And then they have to approve your documents again. And if they approve your documents, that's the second filter. And then the Ministry of Education sends your documents to the universities because you choose three universities to do your master's. And then the universities here in Korea... Look at your papers and decide to do an interview. So I had like three different online interviews Mm -hmm. with the universities.
0: How did you know which universities you wanted to apply to?
1: The scholarship gives you like a list of uh, 50 or 60 universities who are in the program. And you have to go inside each university and see which master's you want to do. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, that's a good thing about the scholarship. It pretty much goes for any, for any, you can do any master's degree, like or whatever, whatever it is you want. You want to study art? You can look for a master in art. You want to do business? You can do business. You just, you just have to like explain why, why mm-hmm. Korea? How is this going to work for you in Korea? And then the universities uh, have to decide if they want your, like, if you are a, a good candidate or not. And if you are, they do an interview and mm-hmm. if you cast the interview. The university lets you lets the Ministry of Education know, and then they like officially give you a letter of invitation. Hey, you've been selected, and you can go to any university that chose you. In my case, out of the three universities that I chose, the three interviewed me, and the three uh, accepted me. So after the three accepted me, I had to like choose one of the three, and I chose Chungang University.
0: One of the requirements of this scholarship is that you have to do a year-long language program before you start your master's degree. You're in Suncheon. Did you choose this place or was this randomly assigned to you?
1: They assign you the, the language to your university. They take into account where you're going to do my, your master's degree. So because my univers- my master's degree is in Seoul, they make they put me in another town. And it's usually like really far away. So you get to like know the language and the and the culture. And Mm -hmm. I can already tell that nobody speaks English around here.
0: That's good for your language learning, though. That's
1: the only way I'm going to actually learn.
0: You mentioned earlier that you're 12 days into your quarantine. But let's start at the beginning. What was the coronavirus situation like when you left your country?
1: Okay, I'll give you a context. Paraguay has a population of 7 million people, okay? That's the whole Paraguay. And we were doing around 2,000 to 3,000 tests a day. That was our our numbers. And from those 2,000 to 3,000 tests a day, we were having around, I want to say about 100 positive tests a day, which wasn't much. It was pretty much contained. And we were one of the best countries in the region of how we were handling it. But that was until like two weeks ago. As as soon as I left the country, everything exploded pretty much. The numbers went really up. We're now having close to 800 a day out of 2,000, 3,000 tests. So that's almost about one out of three people you test comes positive. So it's like, <laughs> statistically, so the country went back into lockdown and um, yeah.
0: So in the midst of all of that, you were like, okay, I'm going to go to Korea.
1: I applied to the scholarship and uh, the scholarship opens up in February, I believe, mm-hmm. and the pandemic's exploded like the first week of march uh, globally so i i actually was very surprised that korea didn't suspend the scholarship this year because i mean uh, there's a thousand scholars this year and from latin america we're around i think we're like 60 70 people and those from those 60 70 people around i want to say 40 people managed to leave latin america because everybody wow. else has a lot of countries i mean every country has a lot of restrictions right now mm-hmm. so it was really hard to leave and to like oh, travel man. airport has been closed for about, I don't know, since March, since February. So the only way to leave the country is by getting special permits. And by special permits, what it means, it means that you have a reason to leave the country. Like you're not from Paraguay or you're a foreigner or you you have like a scholarship like I did. And you have to like file a lot of documents to get really lucky to get that special permit because a lot of people want to leave, but they can't. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was the situation to leave Paraguay.
0: What was the process of getting the special permit?
1: First, I received my letter of invitation from the Korean government saying that I officially got the scholarship and that they were going to take care of me for the next three years. I presented that uh, letter of invitation to my Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Paraguay, to the police, uh, a lot of senior public officials. That's how you get the special permit to leave the country. Yeah, that's the way to get out of the country. It's just a lot of processing and paperwork.
0: Mm. How long did it
1: take? I received the letter, the official letter, saying that I, I got the scholarship in end of May, beginning of June. And then with that letter, I started searching for the special flights leaving. But before getting the special flights, I also had to apply to the Korean embassy for the visa. And before applying for that, I also needed the permit. So it's like, you need this for this, but you can't get this without this. So it it was like, it was a chaos. And it's never happened before. Like nobody knew what the procedure was. So I asked one person one thing. They told me this thing and it was it was a mess.
0: <laughs> so after this, what's the next step?
1: I buy a flight ticket. All right. The procedure uh, for the scholarship is that Korea buys you the ticket. That's okay. that was every year until then, until this year. I mean, the pandemic, right? Normally, you get the scholarship. You tell Korea, okay, I got my visa, and they from Korea, they go, they search online and they buy you the plane ticket from your country to Korea. But because uh, this year the pandemic was going on if the korean government officials went online and searched uh, from paraguay to korea let's buy a ticket they would see on the web page that all airports are closed so that was impossible so they asked uh, every student to buy their own ticket with their own money and then they will get reimbursed here in korea but uh yeah that was the procedure for that so i bought my ticket from paraguay and then i had to see all the how do you say this, the, the stops along the way. Mm-hmm. So I had, my first stop was in Brazil. So I had to find out what the Brazilian public officials needed for me to, to go buy through from Brazil to another country. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: And one of the requisites uh, was that I needed an international medical insurance. So I had to buy one for like three, four days. One of those assets, car- assets cards, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And um, well, yeah, I had that for Brazil. And then in Brazil, I stayed for like 12 hours in the airport. And from Brazil, from Sao Paulo, I went to Ethiopia, Africa. From there, it was actually in Ethiopia where I dimensioned like the level of the pandemic. Because I had never been to Africa or Ethiopia, mm-hmm. but where I when I landed there, it was like, I saw everybody with a face mask. Wait,
0: so before Ethiopia, nobody was wearing a mask?
1: Uh, In Brazil, pretty much. Brazil has a policy of... uh uh i don't know how to explain it i mean they know a pandemic is going on but i don't know how afraid they are of the pandemic i don't know if that explains it so okay uh, well you see the news now how huh? there are a lot of people from america from the united states that are like against mm-hmm. the mask yeah. and all that a lot of bolsonaro followers don't really care about wearing a mask i guess so the airport was really empty but when i arrived to ethiopia it's a place i would never been before another culture. But the thing we all had in coming again, it was the mask. I mean, everybody was afraid. You had empty seats, all the airplanes. You travel with, Uh, you get your own three seats. The plane goes like half empty, a quarter of the way filled. Oh, and the flight ticket was really expensive. Um, really?
0: Well, actually, I yes. can imagine because you can't fill up the plane.
1: I bought my ticket for almost $2,000 one way. Yeah, When I went in 2015, I can't really remember that much, but I think it was like both ways was like, $2,500, um, mm-hmm. like 500 more, and I got my ticket back. But now it's almost $2,000 for one-way ticket.
0: Yeah, that sounds pretty expensive. So from door to door, how long was your total travel time?
1: 48-hour travel. Yeah, But as soon as I got to Incheon Airport here in Seoul, a whole list of things and procedures started again. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Before that, let's talk about the actual plane ride. Were you allowed to go to the bathrooms? Did they feed you? It's a long flight
1: They, they, they fed me normal Like the normal plane food, right? But uh, there's a lot of paranoia, I guess you know, I mean, Not just for me I mean, I, I I felt everybody felt the same paranoia You know, because you're traveling in the plane Everybody with a mask And you feel like if you take it off for just one second You're breathing the same air as a guy next to you. <laughs> you You like hear everything so much louder So I heard like the sneezing in the back And you you, you go like this I don't know it, It's it's really oh, intense no. That could be the sneeze that COVID. Going to the bathroom, you go and you try to like open the door with your
0: wash your hands
1: like five times.
0: It's crazy. How did you prepare for the flight?
1: I took, uh, obviously my, my mask. I had my goggles. I had, uh, my mom gave me like a little bottle of alcohol that I like would put in the seats in my hands every five seconds. I had a lot of this, like, advice, but with alcohol already in the, I had my, my earphones, uh, just in case I had a jacket. It was really hot. I still had like a jacket. I didn't want to touch anything. It's like an intense experience.
0: Yeah. So what happens after you land at Incheon Airport?
1: As soon as you get off the plane, there's a, there there are already a bunch of public officials with like stra- astronaut suits, like everything super protected. They take your temperature as soon as you get off. They put the thing in your ear and they take your temperature. Then they ask you all of the countries which you did your layover in and they see they look at all, all all your documents. And then I, I sort of got we had like 6 or 7 different stations that you have to go through the airport. First you go obviously to they take your temperature, then they ask you the uh, the your place in the layover, then they Again, you wait like in a waiting room because first they take care of all the Korean citizens, right? And then it's a foreigner's turn. There were a lot of different, what do you call uh, paperwork?
0: Mm-hmm. Or, like yeah. forms?
1: Yes, a lot of forms, yeah. Like seven or eight different stations with different forms. Okay, so you get there, They then they ask you to take your temperature. If you have more than 37.5 degrees temperature, they make you take the, uh, the COVID test right there at the airport. And you have to wait at least 12 hours, 13 hours there. And I know this because some other scholars from Latin America arrived there and their body temperature was high. They didn't really necessarily have a fever, but their body temperature was above 37.5. So they had to take the test there. Luckily, I, I had below that. So let me go through to my quarantine spot and where eventually they would take my COVID test. I, I had like no doubt of where to go because they pretty much guide you the whole... Like they, they don't leave you alone. You can be alone at any moment at the mm-hmm. airport. Either you're waiting for this... Or you have to fill out that form but they take you to fill out that form and you're also wearing as soon as you get off i forgot you were like a, a, a credential who mm-hmm. says symptoms even though you have no symptoms whatsoever or no fevers or anything mm-hmm. they're like warning everybody that you just arrived yeah. so everybody's like hey we have to look after this guy so oh i forgot there's also a lot of army people from the korean army and what they do is they put they take your phone and they make you download the safety quarantine app and they put like a code there. And apart from that moment on, they're like, uh, you have the GPS on. So they know exactly where you are the whole time.
0: Oh, wow. Can you delete the app once quarantine is over? Uh, I, I have been told that I
1: can. I'll, I'll let you know in three days when I get out of quarantine, just in case. I want to show you quickly my my app. This is the app, right? And you see how it's red right now? Every time it's red, I have to like update it. So I should update it now in the afternoon. You go in and then you have to put it in your temperature,
0: mm-hmm. which they
1: gave you like a little temperature
0: mm-hmm. thing. Oh, wow. They, oh, no, they... yeah. They gave you
1: all of that. And then you have like symptoms, like you have cough, sore throat, uh, shortness of breath, and you just fill it out if mm-hmm. you have anything. You have to do it two or three times a day. And if I don't, I start I start receiving messages that they want to know what's going on with you. <laughs> why mm-hmm. are you updating? And it's going to start vibrating.
0: At the airport, when they're installing the app on your phone, do they give you a thermometer or the tools you need to comply with this requirement
1: no actually all of that uh, okay they ask you first of all where you're going to do quarantine and you need to have a cell phone somebody living in korea they make you sit down and in front of you they ask you for the number for the phone number and they're going to call that person in front of you and that person has to answer and assure them that they're going to be responsible for you in my case it was a university where i'm staying at uh, there was a, a person here designated for that but uh i know that if you are right there with like no spot like they designate a spot for you but you have to pay like 150 a day and mm-hmm. it's like 15 days so you can do the math it's like really expensive
0: yeah and
1: when i write here it's when they gave me like the box with like uh the thermometer and like mm-hmm. they gave me water and i don't know a couple of more things
0: so from the airport, how did you get to Suncheon, where you're currently doing your quarantine? Okay, yes.
1: Okay, from the airport. Okay, I take my luggage, which has already been supposedly out there for like, I don't know, six, five hours. And I leave official, the official side of the airport, you know, so I'm like outside in the parking, and there's uh, still like public officials, they put like a red sticker on you on the side. And they ask you what part of Korea are you going, or where are you doing your quarantine? Once you tell them where you're going, I can't remember the, the name of the train station. But they take we have like uh, a special bus. All foreigners who arrive from the from, from outside Korea, and we all fill up that bus and go to the train station. Which I, from that train station, I took the KTX train to Suncheon. Yeah. We were like in a special place in the, in the train, it's mm-hmm. only the foreigners were there and you had to, uh, So they knew exactly where you were in case there was like a positive around you or you were the positive one. Up to that moment, I still hadn't taken the COVID test because I had no symptoms or anything. They, I was treated like I had COVID, mm-hmm. but I was like traveling around Korea and mm-hmm. like, it has to be. So yeah, yeah, so I arrived at Sunshine and again, as soon as I get off the train, I got there like at midnight. And they take me to a facility, not the university yet, because I arrived very late that night. They took me to like a hotel facility, made me pay the night there. And at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning, a medical staff came and I did my officially my first COVID test. After that test, it was when they took me here to the university. And I've been inside this room for like uh, 13 days now.
0: Can you leave your room at all?
1: No, nothing. <laughs> so I haven't been able to explore anything or had any interaction with anybody yet. That's the main door, right? Mm-hmm. I'm allowed to open it three times a day, which mm-hmm. is in the morning, the uh, noon, and at night when I get my dinner, my food. That door right there is the bathroom here and my bed here. And I, I, have, I have to put in my lunch because I wanted to show you. Today's a lucky day, actually. I don't know if they knew that you were going to see this or something, but I, still there. <laughs> I have rice, meat, potato, kimchi.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so it's very good. Today's a very good day.
0: How have the meals been in general? Have they been to your liking?
1: It's been very good. Like the, the food tastes very good, and it's very healthy. I mm. can see how it has. So I, I don't have any problem with foods. I know there are some people, some foreigners mm-hmm. that can't eat yeah. uh, pick or they have like veggie issues. Mm-hmm. I have no issues.
0: How have you been spending your time in quarantine?
1: Well, uh, I've been being, I've, I've been trying to get ready. I said I was going to be a lot more productive than I am, but it's not. It's not really easy. I mean, time goes. It, time goes fast and go slowly at the same time it's, it's really weird because you lose the sense of time after being like in a room and looking out the window all day. Um, but what I've been doing is uh, I started trying to practice or learn a bit more Korean. I started following uh, Instagram pages and that's how I found your page, for example, uh, on culture and language and just uh, watching YouTube videos, uh, Korean dramas on Netflix. I've been trying to like open up my ear to the language. Wow.
0: Have you thought about what you want to do once you're allowed to leave your room?
1: Yeah, I want to explore around. I mean, I've been, uh, one of my, the things I've been doing in quarantine is like uh, opening Google Maps and Kakao Maps and just like exploring around on the web and seeing what's around me.
0: <laughs> so based on your experience, how has Korea been handling the pandemic?
1: How they're treating the pandemic, at least comparing to my country and to all the other all Hispanic countries, which I know because we all talk and we all like share similar experiences here, everything is like on another level of control, uh, starting with the application and the, the GPS already following you, your every footstep, taking your temperature like three times a day. Everything is to the extreme, but it's good. I mean, it's it's okay. I mean, I have no problems with that because the only way to control this at the moment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, so a lot of discipline, but I, I see it works.
0: Was there any point where you felt unsafe or anything like that?
1: Uh, no, not at all. Actually, I, I would have felt unsafe if nobody was after me because I wouldn't know what to do. I mean, I know no Korean. I don't know how to read Korean. So, and everything's Korean, obviously. Yeah. If I didn't have anybody there with me, I would have been a bit more scared.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Ho for speaking with me about your experience. It was so nice to meet you.
1: Yep. Nice to meet you, Minju. You're welcome.
0: Bye bye. <laughs> So about a month after our initial conversation, I checked back in with Juanjo to see how he was doing post-quarantine.
1: There was a typhoon the day I was supposed to leave quarantine. So I stayed one more day and then uh, I was separate. and I moved into uh, to this dorm. Everything's like going back to normal.
0: Okay, so did they let you remove the app?
1: Yes, as soon as I got out of quarantine, I, I could delete the app. Which was like battery consuming.
0: Okay. Have you been able to see a little bit of Sun Chan?
1: Let's say I've been out for like three weeks, I think now. And uh, I have class four hours per day from 11 to 4 with one hour for lunch. And I usually go around in the afternoon, like just walk around. I haven't really, I mean, I took the bus once or twice just to travel around like the, the city, I guess. But I usually just walk around, so there's only that so far I can get walking. But, um, yeah, it's pretty nice. I mean, I'm surrounded by mountains. There's, like, a reservoir. There's lakes, rivers. I don't know. Everything's, like, natural and ecological.
0: It's very nice. Yeah. And how are your Korean classes?
1: Well, they're they're faster than I thought they would be, like, more intense than I thought. Because, <laughs> I mean, we're going for, like, me and, like, uh, in my class, there's, uh, like, 17 students. And all of us are starting from level one, which is like zero, pretty much. Nobody knew anything, like not even the the Hangul we learn now. But uh, we're going really fast. Like they they expect from us to you know like thirty calories per day. They test us, uh, and then we have also the particles like e, ga, un, so it's, every day is like a bunch of new information. It's so much your head can take, but yeah.
0: Nice. What's your favorite thing you've learned so
1: far? Oof, my favorite thing. Uh, I guess how to order food, because that's pretty much what I do by myself. You know, when I go to a restaurant, just like, choose a yo, I want this, ego, and then I'm turning it my fingers. And I, and, and I also learned how to say, like, how much is this, which is pretty important, and started to, like, actually listen to the prices. That's
0: good.
1: I actually met a lady at a restaurant uh, here. She lived in Canada for, like, Thirty years or so, and she has like the biggest collection of um, teapots made out of porcelain, like in the whole region of Korea. And she showed me; she has like a mu- museum here. And yeah, she was really excited that that she could talk to in English to somebody. So we do like language exchange. So that was pretty nice.
0: That's the end of this episode. If you liked the episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and telling all your friends about the podcast. I hope it provided some insight on what it's like to travel at this point in history and about the Global Korea Scholarship. Thanks again to our guest, Juanjo Ho Bayardi, for sharing the details of his journey and his life in Korea. He actually shared some photos and some videos that he took throughout his journey. And you can see them in the show notes. In other news, I was recently a guest on an episode of The Chan Chi Show where I shared one of my deepest fears. The podcast is about the experiences of Korean-American adoptees, and while I'm not an American or an adoptee, I had a really good time talking and trying out Korean Crackers with the hosts Nathan, Patrick, and KJ, who are awesome people, by the way. You should check them out. KJ actually pointed out that I was using my mic incorrectly and showed me how to set it up, so thanks, KJ. And speaking of good advice, I really want to thank podcasting experts Danny Cordy of the Up Moments podcast and Fable Productions and Norman Chella of Podlovers Asia. I actually reached out to them when I was just thinking about starting a podcast and without any hesitation whatsoever, they set up a call and they answered all of my questions and believe me, I had a lot and gave me some really useful information to start with. And actually, I got some really good feedback from Danny after my first episode launched as well. So I'm very thankful. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, especially if you're based in Asia, definitely connect with them because they really know their stuff and they really enjoy helping you podcasters out. Anyways, thank you for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Fluent and at Fluent Fools. And the show notes are on my website, fluentkorean.com. Alright, please stay safe and I will see you in the next episode. Bye!